So I don't know about you, but do you have anything in your life that you wish could be healed? And the reason I ask is because many times we, we go through life and we carry a lot of things. We carry a lot of things emotionally that have been said to us. We carry a lot of things physically. We carry a lot of things mentally that we just we carry with us. There are also things spiritually that, that, we, that we long to be healed from. There's been prayers that, that we've prayed that haven't played out the way that we hoped that they would. There's been things we've asked God, begged God for that, that we feel like we've gotten nothing but silence from. There are things that have been said to you, like life-altering things that have been said to you that you carry around. And we go through life, and many times what we do with these things is we do a couple of different things with them. Some of them um, we, we wear as a badge and tell everybody about. Some of them uh, we just pretend that they didn't happen. Sometimes we just pretend that that conversation didn't happen. We just pretend that that person didn't say that. We just pretend that thing that happened in junior high, that, 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 was, that didn't happen. For students, there are things that that you've experienced in this last year or the last several years, and, and sometimes we just, we just pretend that they didn't, they didn't exist. Some of us get really angry about them, and rightfully so. Some of us get really, really frustrated and disappointed. But what's interesting, when it comes to the idea of something we want healing from, I think one of our struggles with healing is that we're not actually sure what life would be like being healed. Like, we know, we know what it's like to carry hurt. We know what it's like to carry physical pain. If you live with physical pain, you know what it's like to wake up with it. I remember several years ago talking with a counselor and just sharing with him something that had happened um, earlier in my life. And, and he said to me, he said, well, Josh, what do you hope would happen? And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, if it could be exactly what you wanted it to be, what would it look like? And in that moment, I actually didn't have an answer. I remember I said to him, I said, well, you know, I don't really know because I know what it's like for this relationship to not be at all what I want it to be. I don't know what it would look like if it was how I wanted it to be. And I remember sitting there and just as I processed through it and as I prayed through it, and I thought, this is my struggle with healing is I don't know what healing sometimes feels like. I don't know what healing even looks like. I know what broken and fractured look like. I know how to navigate broken and fractured. I know how to like get through the day when it's broken and fractured, but, but I don't know sometimes what healing looks like. And, and sometimes that's, that's where we get stuck. We, we wonder, what, what does the other side of healing look like? Or, or then from a faith perspective, we have this question of, can God even heal that? Can God heal Physical pain, can God heal emotional pain? Can God heal fractured relationships? Can God even heal those things? Or, or maybe you even ask the question, does, does God even want to? Does God even care? Does God know? Like, we might believe that God can heal, but we wonder, does he even want to? Does he want to heal me? Or, or is there, here's one of the ways that I'll protect myself, and maybe you do the same thing, where we'll say, but somebody has it way worse than I do. So God will probably take care of them. And so then I just think, I, I won't even bother asking because somebody has it way worse than I do. 
And do you know what, what I'm doing when I do that? I, I don't know about you, but when I do that, I'm just trying to protect myself from disappointment. I'm just trying to keep myself, I'm trying to like get God off the hook ahead of time, kind of a thing. And, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you're sitting here going, I don't know if God can heal. Like I, if you wonder that, like my question for you, if you're not sure if God can heal or if you're not sure if God wants to heal, what's your plan for the things in your life that are broken? Like, what's your plan for the healing of fractured relationships? What, what? Because you've probably tried all of them already. You've probably tried to maneuver everything that you can maneuver. So what's your plan for those things in your life that are broken? And what's interesting is that Jesus has a really interesting answer when it comes to healing. And so for the last several weeks, we've been going through this series called Questions Jesus Asked. And we often talk about the questions that we'd like to ask Jesus. And after reading through John 5 today, there's a lot of questions I have for Jesus about this passage. But Jesus asks a really interesting question that gets to the heart of how God heals. And this is what it says in John chapter 5, verse 1. After this, a Jewish festival took place and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem, there is a pool called Bethesda in Aramaic, which has five colonnades. Within these lay a large number of the disabled, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And so here's the setting. Jesus, Jesus is walking, uh, I assume by himself. John doesn't tell us that he's with anybody else. I just assume it's just him. But Jesus is walking, and he gets to this place, and, and, and there's, there's a pool, and it's in, it's in the middle of Jerusalem. It's right on the edge of the wall uh, around Jerusalem. There's a gate called the Sheep Gate. And there's people who are sitting by this pool who are blind, people who can't walk, people whose bodies are broken down, and it's called Bethesda. And, and that word means house of mercy, which seems timely because of what's about to happen. And so this is what it says in, in verse 5. One man was there who had been disabled for 38 years. And so Jesus encounters a man who has sat there disabled and broken for 38 years. Now, for some of us, that, that's, that's incredibly difficult for us to imagine, to imagine living in pain for 38 years. For others, it, it's easy for you to imagine. You, you've lived that. That's, that's where you are. But I wonder, I wonder what this guy thinks every day. Like, does he think this is just life? This is it? This is my life now. Like, we don't know what happened. We don't know how he got there. I mean, one of my questions is, does he even have any hope to be healed? I mean, you would think that on some level he does because he's sitting there. He's sitting at the pool waiting. And I think, for me anyway, I read this, and, and the thing that just runs through my mind is where so many of us get in life, and we just go, this is just, this is it. And the reason 
that we know from church history, the reason that the disabled, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed waited by the side of this pool is because when the waters stirred, when the waters moved, it was believed that an angel of God was stirring the waters, and the first one in the pool was healed. And so they waited. They waited. There's no timetable. It wasn't every day that it stirred. And they waited for the waters to stir. And some people had family and friends who helped them to get into the water. But this man, more than likely, because he sat there for 38 years, was alone. I think this is a really important picture for some of us who are are in a place of longing because we often feel alone. We feel alone in the fracturedness. We feel alone in the pain. Some of it is because we we carry it and don't tell anybody about it. We're tough people. We can handle it. We don't want to let people in. We don't want to show any vulnerability. And so then we're we're alone. We don't let anybody in. When it's our turn at small group to share a prayer request, we go, I'm totally good. good. I know know that it looks like I'm not good, but I'm totally good. Just go to the next person. And we just pass it on. We don't share with family and friends where we are. We don't want to be a burden, we tell ourselves. And so we stay alone in it. And we wait, just like this guy. And it says in verse 6, when Jesus saw him lying there and realized he had been there a long time, which I don't know how he realized that. I'm, I'm sure he could look at him and go, this guy looks like he's been here a while. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know why Jesus chose this guy. I mean, this place is filled. Like, I mean, there are just people everywhere waiting to be healed, waiting for the water to stir, and Jesus just chooses one guy and walks up to him and says, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Which on the surface seems like a silly question. Right? I mean, it just seems like, well, of course this guy wants to get well, Jesus. I mean, he's here. Like, but Jesus asks him, and Jesus doesn't, he doesn't ask silly questions. See, the questions that Jesus asks are not just about the things that we see on the surface, but the things happening under the surface. Jesus says, do you want to get well? And, and here's, here's a question that I think is, as we think about this question for ourselves, do you want to get well. See, if Jesus would ask one person this question, I think it's important for us to ask ourselves this question as well. Do you want to get well? Do I want to get well? See, and the reality is, when Jesus asks, do you want to get well, it leads us to believe it's possible for somebody to answer no. To answer no, which seems on its surface crazy. It's possible that when Jesus says to this guy, do you want to get well, that he could have been like, no. But that, that's the reality of a question. And I think underneath it, it's important for us to, to really dig into this because some of us actually don't want to get well. Now, we want to get well as long as it doesn't require anything of us. Some of us want to get well emotionally without doing any work whatsoever. We want everybody else to change. We want everybody else to own 
their stuff. Some of us want to get well without doing any work. But the reality is, is that on some level, as we're going to see, and as we see through numerous miracles in the Gospels, that God invites us, Jesus invites us to participate in our transformation and our healing. He invites us to be a participant. We're not a spectator in it. And some of us, I think, have this idea that we get to be a spectator of our transformation without moving outside of our comfort zone. This guy, this, he's known this for 38 years. He knows the daily rhythm. He knows what it's like to get up, what it's like to not be able to move. He knows what it's like to have the heartache of watching people get to the water before him. He knows exactly what that world is like. He knows what it's like not to rely on anybody. If he's there by himself, he knows what it's like for no one to rely on him. He doesn't have to trust anybody. He doesn't have to be vulnerable with anybody. He doesn't have to care about anything. He's just there by himself. He knows what this world is like. And so when Jesus says, do you want to get well? He's also saying, do you want things to change? Do you want it to be any different? And some of us, as much, and I want to be really careful, but for some of us, as much as we hurt or are frustrated, we're actually quite content with things staying the way that they are because we really don't want to go have that conversation with that person. I really, I really don't want to open that old wound. You know, I really don't want to sit across the table from that person and replay that whole situation. You know, it's just easier for us to not do the holidays together. For some of us, that, that's exactly where we are. God, I don't want to ask for that. I don't want to pray for that. I really don't. Nope. Thank you very much. They can do their life and I'll do mine. I will stay right here and I'll, I'll, just, I'll still be mad at them though. I'm still mad at them. It's still their fault. For some of us, when Jesus says, do you want to get well? For some of us, our answer is, no, I'll, I will stay right here. And it makes sense because right here is what we know. Right here is what we have seen. Right here is what we have, waked up, we have woken up to every single day. But I wonder, too, if Jesus is also asking, have you given up hope? Have you given up hope? Because it's easy to give up hope. It's easy to, to stop asking. It's easy to stop trusting. 38 years. 38 years. And, and I know in this room and I know online that there are, there are many of us who the thing that we want healing, the thing we long for healing, has been something that you have carried, dealt with, and lived with for decades. So you know what it's like to be this guy at 38 years. But have you given up hope? Do you believe that healing is still possible? See, there comes a moment when it's hard to believe. There comes a moment when it's hard to believe. There comes a moment when it's hard to believe that that empty seat at the table will one day be filled. There comes a moment where it's hard to believe that it could actually change. And so when Jesus says, do you want to get well? He responds with, the man says, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool. 
when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Now, at this point, I don't know if he knows he's talking to Jesus. Jesus hasn't, I don't, he hasn't introduced himself. He doesn't have a name tag on. Like, he doesn't, there's no entourage with Jesus. You know, I'm, I'm wondering if, if the guy is thinking, are you, are you giving me a hard time? Like, why are you asking? Like, of course I want to get well. Like, I'm here. It's just everybody gets in front of me. He says, I'm doing everything that I can. I mean, in callously, we can read this and think, you know, man, what, what is Jesus even trying to get at here? But I also want you to hear the pain and the heartache and the desperation in this guy's response. He says, I am doing everything I can. But someone gets ahead of me. He says, I, I am holding out hope. I am, I am trusting with whatever whatever faith I can muster today. But somebody beats me. I mean, I think this man is saying, Jesus, I, I have, I've done everything I can. And, and, I want, and the reason I want us to not miss this is because we see then God's compassion. Jesus looks at the man in verse 8 and says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat, and started to walk. Now, I wonder what this moment was like. Like, I wonder, like, what, what this man felt in this moment. Like, did all of a sudden, like, he feel, like, blood flow through his legs? Like, what did this moment feel like? Did he just sit there and think, man, I don't, I don't know. Like, what if I get up and it doesn't work? I mean, how many times have we felt like we were going to try something and we're like, well, I don't know if it worked. I don't know if I feel any different. I don't know if this is any different. You know, I, I don't know how many times I can do this. I mean, we do this relationally all the time where we think, I, you know, how many times do I have to trust? How many times do I have to, how, do I, how many times do I have to try? I'm sure there's been people in his lives, well-meaning people who have come to him and said, you know what, you're going to be healed. This is the moment. This is it. Stand up. You know, just get up. Like, here's this essential oil that I put on you. Come on. Like, this is it. I'm sure there's been well-meaning people in this guy's life, just like you've had and I've had and we've done for other people. Like, I wonder if he sat there and he thought, man, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to, if this is it. But it says that he picked up his mat and started to walk. And here's, here's our participation in our, in our healing. The guy could have stayed on the ground. He could have stayed on the ground. At some point in our faith journey, in our healing, there is a step that we take at some point. And I don't know what it is for, for each one of us. But there were different steps that, that the people who encountered Jesus and were healed, there were different steps that they took. If you remember the story where they lowered the man through the roof, I mean, that guy had to go along with his friends, and he had to have four friends who would break a hole in the roof to lower him down. There was a step that those people took. The woman who grabbed onto the robe of Jesus, there was a step that she took. There is a step at some point in our healing that we take. And I don't know what it is. Each person in the Gospels is different. 
When Jesus healed the couple in John 2, as we looked at a few, a few months ago, when he turned the water into wine, somebody had to put water into the jugs. So sometimes the transformation and healing that happens, somebody else does it for the couple. Somebody else does it for the people. There's not like a formula. We're, we, I would love for the gospels to tell us, this is just how healing works. This is the, you know, the step-by-step, you know, the bullet points that you need to do. These, do these four things, and tomorrow you're going to wake up, and, you're gonna, and it's going to be it. That would be so great. But for whatever reason, there are possibly hundreds of people sitting by the pool, and Jesus heals one guy and walks away. I'm reading this going, but what about everybody else? Like, why don't, what about the other people? Why, why just that guy? I mean, I'm sure somebody else had been there longer than 38 years. Why did he choose this guy? And there's, there's, we're not told. And we're not told, why did Jesus, why wasn't this the first miracle? This seems like a bigger need in somebody's life than the first miracle being turning water into wine. Like, this seems like a bigger need, and yet... There doesn't seem to be, as we read through Scripture, a rhyme or reason to how God heals. And that's what's really hard. And and I'll just be honest, really frustrating. (laughs) But part of our faith is trusting. I think it would take all the trust out of the game if Jesus was like, here's the four things you have to do, here's the correct words to say, here's the right thing to do, the order and everything. There would be no faith in that. Be like, okay, well, we'll just, we'll try that. So the man gets up and walks. But it's not over. Look at the end of verse 9. Now that day was the Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, this is the Sabbath. The law prohibits you from picking up your mat. I mean, this is astounding to me, but it's actually not that surprising. I mean, they look at me. Don't do that. That's not at all what you're allowed to do. You're not supposed to do that. They don't say, you can walk. Like, that would be the right response. But instead, they correct him. And then the man replies, the man who made me well told me, pick up your mat and walk. Which, that makes total sense too. The guy who heals you says, do this. You're like, okay. And so they said, who is this man who told you, pick up your mat and walk? But the man who was healed did not know who it was because Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. After this, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well. Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. The man went and reported to the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Therefore, the Jews began persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Now, here's here's how we can be like the religious leaders of the day. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this, this is just when, this is when we get uncomfortable as the church people. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, you can just listen for a moment. Because we do the same thing. We have this idea that the way that I got healed is the way that you get healed. We have this idea that the way that God worked in my life is the way he's going to work in your life. And, and you think the same thing. We have this idea that the way that I followed Jesus, the way that I started following Jesus, that's the way everybody follows Jesus. Happens in the same order. I had a friend who became a Christian out on a camping trip, a men's camping trip in the middle of the desert. And he told me, he goes, Josh, I just need to get get dudes out, sitting by the fire, everyone's going to follow Jesus. 
And I was like, well, I hate camping, so there's other people like me. But we have this idea that the way that I follow Jesus, the way Jesus healed in my life, the way he worked, that's just the way he works. And it's the way he works in all of history. Because here's one of the questions I think that, that we have to ask ourselves as a church. And it's the question for the religious leaders. Did the religious leaders actually want people to get healed? See, they, they would say yes. Just not on this one day. And if, if I took a poll, we would say, yeah, Josh, we want our whole community to be, to be healed. They just need to do it this way. Because what did Jesus do? I want to be really clear on this, okay? So here's a core conviction that these religious leaders had that Scripture said. You don't do this on the Sabbath, okay? So we, we, have, some, we have some convictions, things we believe, okay? And, and what did God do? The opposite. Do we want people to get healed? What if, what if God doesn't take the path we thought? What if it means something different? You know, it's interesting. So, so this weekend last year, our family was here to interview. And I, I remember over this last year, I, I've had numerous conversations that have gone like this. Well, Josh, I just don't want us to become like blank church. Why not? Tell me more. Well, you know, they do this, and they do this, and they do this, and, 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 it's, and it's something that, that they personally don't like. But in digging into it, it's, it's one of the things that God is using to heal people and reach people. See, it's really easy for us to go, you know what? God works this way. He doesn't heal on the Sabbath. So that's not okay. It's real easy for us to go, this is how I like preaching. This is how I like music. This is how I like everything to go. God, God works this way. And Jesus comes along and he goes, it might be over here. It might be this way. It could even be over here. It, it's even possible. It, it's like way over here. Are we as a church willing to step out of our comfort zones so that people get healed? So that God rescues people? Or do we want God to work the way he's always seemed to work? I'll, I'll be honest. I totally understand the religious leaders. I get it. And they roll in, and they're like, there are these rules. I don't know if you realize this. Put your mat down. We don't do that. We don't do that here. And here's the amazing thing. When they say to him, well, who healed you? He has no idea. And, and what is, here's the amazing thing. When people experience the grace of God, when they are healed by Jesus, do you know what they do? They tell other people about it. Now, how much did he know about Jesus? Nothing except he healed him. He didn't know his name. He couldn't give them a Bible study about Jesus. He couldn't tell how the healing happened. He couldn't answer any of their questions about whatever things were going on. He couldn't even tell them why he picked up his mat outside of the fact 
that Jesus told him to. And so we have this idea where we think, I, you know, I can't tell anybody else about Jesus. I, you know, I, I need to know a little bit more before, you know, I take that step of like discipling somebody or leading a group. And what did this guy know? Well, there's this guy, like, I don't know if you, I was laying here. I couldn't move for 38 years. This dude walked up, told me to just pick up my mat and walk. And, and I did. Yeah, but what about this? Well, I, I don't know. So there's this guy. Let me tell you again. And I was just laying there, and he said, pick up your mat and walk, and so I did. Yeah, but what about this other thing? Well, I'll start again. So there's this guy. That's all he knew. That's all he knew. And for some of us, right now, you are sitting on the sidelines of your faith because you think, oh, I don't know these other things. I, don't, I haven't seen this happen in my life. And yet you are in the place where Jesus has rescued you, healed you. You have picked up your mat and walked in your faith. And that's all you know. And that is all you need to know. And to stop sitting on the sidelines of it. And so some of us, as we think about this passage, I have so much more. I have like five more pages of notes I'm just going to have to skip. But... Some of us, some of us need to step out of our comfort zone, and we need to start praying for and being okay for God to move in our church and our community in a way that we didn't expect. And that's uncomfortable. I don't know what that looks like. But we need to be ready for it. We need to be asking God for it. We need to be ready for Jesus to show up and tell somebody on the wrong day to be healed. And some of us, we need to step out and go, I, I, I know one thing. I was broken. Jesus saved me, and, and that's what I know. And, and God will multiply that. And some of us need to stop standing on the sideline of our faith and just waiting for you know, somebody more mature to come along to do what God's already placed on your heart. And I don't know what it is, but God's placed something on your heart. God's called you to take some kind of step. And maybe you're just waiting on the sidelines, but you just need to be this guy and just step out. I mean, here's the amazing thing, too. He didn't even say thank you to Jesus. And here's what I don't want us to miss. And I want to speak to those who are in this place where you're longing for healing. Because we're going to have a moment here towards the end of our service, we're going to have some of our elders up front for our prayer time. So just pray with you if, there, if there's anything that you want prayer for, need healing. But some of us need to be reminded that not only can God heal, but God cares. You know, the first place in Scripture that we're told a description of God is in Exodus 34. It's the first place we're told a description of God. And it says this, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. This is the first description of God in the Bible. So when we ask God for healing, when Jesus walked through that courtyard, this is the God who walked through the courtyard. And this is the God that looked at the man, and this is also the God, for whatever reason, didn't heal everybody else sitting there. He went on to the next town and healed. And I don't know why. 
But there's something else that's happening here too I don't want us to miss because this is so important when it comes to our healing spiritually, emotionally, physically. See, for the Jewish people, if somebody, the reason Jesus said do not sin anymore, in their mind, if somebody was broken, blind, lame, it's because of sin. The scripture is really clear that, that sometimes our pain and suffering is because of sin and sometimes it's not. Like, so it, it's, but when Jesus heals, it's also this image of not just healing that person, but he's inviting them and welcoming him in to the kingdom. And so Jesus is saying, this is what I do when you come into the kingdom. I heal you. Now, I'm sure that whatever this guy had wrong, he carried the scars, he had the memories. You don't just forget 38 years sitting there by yourself. Our healing does not wipe away all our memories of it. But the God who heals is the God who is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love. And so as we close, a couple of ways for us to respond. One, on your Connect card, if you check the Next Step email box, we're going to send you just some ways to apply the healing power of Jesus in your life this week. The band is going to lead us through a song that we're just going to sing together that just reminds us that God heals, that God is at work even when we don't see the evidence of it. And then as we respond, there's going to be a moment where if you would like some prayer today about anything, we're going to have some of our elders up here and Chris will lead us through that moment and then we'll dismiss. So let's, let's just pray as we respond. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you are a God that is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger. God, I thank you that on that day as that man sat there, Jesus walked up to him and said, do you want to get well? And God, I thank you that that man said yes with whatever little bit of faith he could muster. And in his words, there's just heartache, there's there's questions. And so God, many of us know what it's like to be that guy. We know what it's like to live with physical pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain. We've carried it. We've asked, we've cried, we've, we've vented. And God, just some of us have experienced the healing of this man. And some of us, like the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians, where it says that he asked for this thorn to be removed three times, and three times you told him no. And so, God, we're, I'm not sure why you heal the way that you do. I'm not sure why you move the way that you do or when you do. But we trust that you are a God who can heal. You are a God who does heal. And so, God, I pray that you would strengthen us. That you would strengthen us, whether it's faith that we need to have strengthened to continue following after you and continue trusting in your good plan. 
pray for those who have given up hope. Now that your spirit right now would renew them. Gotta pray for those who, who struggle to believe that you care. I pray that they would feel the warmth of your embrace. That you are a God who is compassionate. You are a God that holds us close. He picks us up and carries us. So God, as we respond, as we sing, God, I pray that these words would just wash over us and remind us that you make a way that even when we don't see it, you're working. In your name, amen.